Welcome back to the River Blast Podcast. I'm Alex Stumpf, and we have a special guest today uh, from the Altoona Curve in the Pittsburgh Pirates organization, right-handed pitcher Nick Mears. Nick, how are you doing? I'm doing wonderful. How about yourself? I'm doing well. Uh, happy to have you on the show, and I think this was you're one of the bigger breakout prospects in the Pirates system because in 2018, you only pitched a couple innings. You're an undrafted free agent kind of were brought in just because there was an opening at the time. There were some injuries. And this year you just ran with it. Yeah. Um, I mean, I got an opportunity that not many have, and I wanted to take advantage of it. And I think that I did that this year, and I put myself in a good position for this upcoming year. Being undrafted. I mean, I guess first of all, Whenever the MLB draft was happening, did you suspect that you might get your name selected? Um, not really. Since I took that year off, I assumed that I nobody really wants someone that hadn't played and take a chance on that. So uh, when the draft came around, I wasn't exactly paying attention. Uh, I wasn't really focused on it. Um, I was in the Northwoods at that point, so I was just focusing on that. Uh, so whenever, how does that process go as an undrafted free agent, picking a team to sign with? Uh, I mean, I had a little influence, uh, with who I was, so I had a, a couple teams as a undrafted free agent who wanted to sign me, but, um, I thought that the, the Pirates were a great fit, uh, just because, when I sat down with one of their area scouts, I loved what he said. I loved what he stood for and what he was saying that the Pirates stood for. And that's what really stood out for, uh, to me is that instead of just the Pirates looking at you as another player, they wanted to develop you as a person on top of developing you as a player. Uh, like you alluded to, you took 2018 off. Uh, you had some injuries whenever you were getting into college, but this was more personal that year. Uh, I had a lot of um, losses in my personal life, just uh, and I didn't think I could continue playing baseball uh, while uh, dealing with what was happening in my personal life. So uh, with the help of... Uh, my family and my coaches, uh, we decided that it was best that I stepped away from baseball for that season and um, kind of get uh, my feet back under me. Uh, and then if I wanted to come back to baseball when I was ready, then that was my decision. And uh, I'm, I'm happy I came back to baseball <laughs> uh, with everything that's going on. But, I mean... Was it a tough decision? Uh it was a very difficult decision just because um, one of the person or one of the people that I lost was my grandpa. And when I came back to baseball, uh, I had a lot of tender memories uh, with my grandpa. Uh, so kind of dealing with that and getting over that uh, was probably probably the, uh, the hardest part. Just I wouldn't say it was hard. It, it was just... It was bittersweet because all those memories coming back were so 
so nice and to think that I wouldn't be able to spend time with him again was difficult. How about we transition back to some some lighter baseball talk? <laughs> yeah. Sure. All right. Um, this year, you started off in the Carolina Leagues, then you went to Bradenton, and you finished off in Altoona. Yeah. All that bouncing around, what challenge is that for someone like yourself who has a couple developing pitches? Um, I personally didn't think that I was – my goal was to end up in Bradenton. Uh, that year and out of spring training I wanted to break uh, camp in Greensboro and I was extremely shocked to break camp to Greensboro and then I knew there were uh, pretty much everybody in Greensboro at that point uh, had draft status on me being an undrafted free agent Uh, so for me to be one of the first call-ups to Bradenton absolutely blew my mind and uh, as far as uh, my pitches go I I would I would say I have a plus fastball but I didn't know that in spring training with my added weight uh, in the offseason so I still thought I was like 93 to 95 because I hadn't seen uh, a radar gun or any uh, radar guns uh, during spring training, and I didn't really ask because I wasn't too worried about it. But uh, when I got to Greensboro uh, and I saw consistent uh, 96 to 98s on the board, I was kind of shocked. And then uh, I just kept trying to kind of hone that in because it's it was a little more difficult to control obviously uh throwing uh three miles an hour uh on average harder but it was even more or it was even harder to control my off speed because of the max effort uh delivery that i have uh it was very hard to be consistent with my breaking ball which in Greensboro, it was more of a uh, a slurve or a slider, uh, and I didn't think that it played that well off of my fastball, which... Uh, you wanted it to be a curve. Yes, I wanted it yeah. to be a 12-6 curve uh, so that I could play off of a high fastball and tunnel uh, my curveball with a high fastball and then have the curveball drop into the bottom of the zone. So whenever you say put on weight, you're you're listed at a buck eighty five. If you look at video of your pitching, you don't look a buck eighty five anymore. <laughs> what was that? You kind of broke up. Uh, whenever you uh, look at videos of, you're listed at one hundred eighty five pounds. You're not. Yeah. You, like no. you said, you put on the weight. Uh, I guess first of all, how much did you put on, and how do you put it on? Uh, to build up muscle to help build up arm strength because i am an expert on telling you how to put on you know a dozen or so pounds but it doesn't make me more athletic um i put on 30 pounds last off season and so far this off season i've put on five pounds in about uh, a little over a month uh but i mean 
I gained a lot of weight in my legs. So, and before I did that, before I gained all the weight, I was a very rotational pitcher and I got my velocity from being rotational. And now that I have bigger legs and stronger legs, I can, I would say, harness more energy with my lower half. And instead of being rotational, I can be linear and become more powerful straight towards home. And I would say instead of pulling off the ball, uh, I would say I would stay through the ball and, in my eyes, generate more power. So I, I gained pretty much all my weight in my legs and a little bit in my upper body, but uh, pretty much just lift heavy weights and <laughs> get on a diet. That's pretty much what I did. I ate anything I could and lifted everything I could. Uh, your delivery. So yes. Whenever I watched it, the legs really did stick out for me. Maybe for no other reason than your giant leg kick. Like, we've seen pitchers with giant leg kicks during their delivery, but I can't think of too many that actually... Does it actually go in your glove? Because it looks like it from this center field camera angle. Um, or does it just so, graze, look at it? Because it, it looks like you could put your knee in your glove whenever you're doing your wind-up. Yeah, so uh, during the season, I... I had my hands set at my waist, and with my leg kick, I had to push my hands out, so I would pretty much create like a hoop around my knee coming up to my chest. So uh, in the Arizona Fall League, I kind of switched it up, and I came set more at uh, my chest, and so that way, instead of me having to hunch over, clear my hands, and then have a huge... Uh, arm action I'm a lot I I kind of broke it down and made it more simple so I uh, I come set at my chest and I just do a leg lift and then straight into my arm action so that way I'm not sacrificing posture and uh, balance through my delivery uh, every single time I think that by doing this uh, it's a lot more repeatable and it's easier for me to throw my breaking pitch uh, instead of if my arm is lagging behind, I have to just clear my front side. So with my hands coming set up top, I just lift my knee and go. So that way my arm action is right on time and it's easier for me to get on top of my curveball and uh, throw it consistently. Do you know who... Uh, was the one who suggested that to you? Um, the mechanics change? I kind of... I knew uh, just by looking at video that I needed to change it because in, in sports, in any athletic thing you do in a delivery or an action, every action you do during the delivery has an equal or opposite reaction. So I think that by me coming set higher, that I wouldn't have to hunch over to push my hands out. And then since my hands are already so far away from my body, I have to yank it, my front side back, 
to kind of counteract that weight displacement from the center of my body. Uh, just so I'm clear on this, do you still have a big leg kick to go along with it, or have you simplified that too? Because it seemed like that's where you're getting your your stride from during your delivery. Um, I, I still have a big leg kick, okay. uh, but I think that it's every my delivery looks a little bit easier instead of okay. a lot of moving parts. Simplified. Yes. Just, I mean, it's hard to argue with. It's easy to repeat mechanics. I've, I've had other pitchers say this. It's easier to repeat mechanics whenever there are less parts to repeat. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't have to clear my hands and then fly up and have a huge arm action. It's just I bring my knee up and I go towards the plate, and it's it's very easy. Uh, you, you alluded to your breaking ball a little bit. I want to talk about that. Uh, yeah. You said it was kind of a slider slurve, and you want it to be a curveball. What has been the development of that pitch for you? Especially this last year, but even going back to your time last year, or even in college? Um, I would say feel for it. And, I mean, when I'm in the game, I don't really, I don't try to change anything. It's, I'm on the mound, I'm here to compete, let's go. So, I really work on it in my throwing program prior to the game. So, I think it's when I in my old delivery, since I would have to rip my front side open if my arm isn't on time with my lower half, then I would get around my breaking ball or I would back it up and it would be a hanging breaking ball. Whereas now I feel like since I don't have to uh, clear my front side, I'm straight towards the plate. It's very easy for me to get on top of my uh, curveball and make it isn't perfect 12 6, but it is a lot closer to a 12 6 curveball than what it was during the season. I think I had heard it described as 1 7 near the end of yes. August. I mean, did it improve even in the fall league? Yeah, and in the fall league is where I think I made my biggest strides with uh my my curveball and i talked to some of the coaches there uh and some even some of the guys there and they're very knowledgeable it's always great to pick other teammates uh thoughts and uh what they think on uh certain things so uh i talked to some of uh the astros guys and uh, the Astros coach um, about my breaking ball and uh, they didn't start banging talk. trash cans whenever you started talking about your breaking <laughs> no, ball, right? No. All right. Uh, we, I was just talking to him about a breaking pitch or my breaking pitch, and uh, they had me try a few things. Uh, they they. Um, I I had always thought about changing my or my um, I wouldn't say it's mechanics, but my delivery with my hands and all that. So when he said it, I I really I really bought into it um, because 
I was in the Arizona Fall League. It's for an undrafted free agent the year before to be there was a big step in itself. And I didn't want to do anything too drastic uh, to change myself from what I've been doing because I've been having success. But um, I uh, came set with my hands higher and uh, we were bouncing ideas off of each other throughout the fall league. And uh, I think it was by the last three three or so uh, outings I had, I felt very comfortable with my uh, new delivery and uh, my curveball was a lot more repeatable. And you talked about how you want to tunnel that with your fastball and how you like throwing the fastball up in the zone. Was that your idea, you know, coming up with tunneling or was it someone who approached you about that? Because it's, it hasn't been quote unquote proven, but a lot of pitchers swear by that. If you can have a pitch that looks the same, you know, coming out of the hand for, to the point where the batter has to the side, you have complete control over them. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that there's two ways to pitch. There's deception and just overpowering people. And if you have both of those, then you're going to be very successful. Like, look at Garrett Cole. He's overpowering people and then throws a fastball low and away, and then he throws a slider off that that ends up a foot and a half outside, and people are swinging at it. So if you can have a pitch that disguises itself in another pitch until about 50 feet, and the hitter believes that it's the pitch that, uh, or so say it's a fastball and you disguise a curveball in it. If the hitter thinks it's a fastball up until 50 feet, they're already committed to thinking it's a fastball in their swing. So if you can have a pitch that disguises itself in another pitch, I think that you're only setting yourself up for success. And it, like you said, the power pitcher, deception pitcher, you become a power pitcher, you said. You, you added the weight, you added miles per hour, uh, sitting 96, 98 comfortably. What was it like the first time you saw 100 on the gun? Um, <laughs> so I... I didn't know that I hit it. And then I heard a bunch of people like, uh, or the, so we're facing, uh, the Tampa Tarpons. It's, uh, the Yankees high A team in, uh, Florida. And I heard someone say throw harder from the dugout. So I was like, I mean, I think I throw hard. And then I turn around and I see a hundred and I'm like, Oh, <laughs> well, there's that. And then uh, the batter after that guy, I threw 99 uh, low and away to him, and he hits it uh, to right field over the fence. And then I end up blowing the game. Oh. <laughs> so it, it was a, definitely a bittersweet uh, moment for me. I mean, I think for anybody who pitches uh, or has pitched, if their goal is to throw as hard as they can, but 
to hit 100 is a massive milestone for a pitcher. So for me, um, obviously I cared about blowing the game because I'm there to win the game for the team and put our team in a position to win the game. So obviously blowing the game sucks, but on the bright side, I hit a major milestone for myself. Um, and I'm not trying to sound selfish, but that's just how I think of it. And your fastball also gets a lot of spin. That's something that stood out to me, which a lot of pitches, whenever you get up to upper 90s, uh, they're going to move because there's a direct correlation between fastball spin and speed. Yours kind of is even higher than what that correlation would normally be, though. Does that spin just come naturally? Is it something that you've worked on? Um, No, it's kind of just come naturally. I mean... I don't really think that you can teach spin. I think it's, I mean, you can do things here and there to try to increase spin, but I mean, I think that spin comes from your arm action and I don't really think that you can train spin rate, uh, but I didn't really, I was a very average spin rate guy. Uh, as far as I know, until uh, I started throwing harder. And once I started throwing harder, I was up in the 25 to 2600s, which compared to some guys is not very high because I've seen some guys spin a four-seam fastball at 3,000, which is absolutely insane. There's most guys that can't even spin a curveball that high. Yeah, so, 3,000 is freak of nature territory, but whatever you yeah. hit 2,500, that's that's sit up, you know, let's pay attention type yeah. movement and, right there. Which is why I like throwing up in the zone, because it because of the, the ride I get from my fastball. I mean, 98 anywhere is going to be difficult to hit, but when you throw it 98, at their eyes, or not at their eyes, but at their letters, and they have to try to catch up to that and hit it well, instead of just fouling it off, Is it's a very difficult thing to do, from what I can tell, from batters facing me. Bunch of batters who had a hard time facing you, that's what we call in the business a transition, is the Arizona Fall League. Uh, talked about it briefly a couple times, but you had eight appearances. You didn't give up a run. You struck out yep. a lot of batters. We talked about that experience a bit, but what did you take from there? Obviously, you have the you know new hand placement, but being around some of the best prospects in the games right now, and not only holding your own, but really kicking butt down there or over there. <laughs> um, I mean, I just went... I w- I didn't go down there with any expectations. Obviously, I wanted to do well. I wanted to prove that I could handle that sort of talent and succeed. Uh, so I just went down there. Um, I said, I got nothing to lose. I'm going to give it my all uh, and have fun while doing it. So obviously, I had the same intensity and 
uh, same focus I did when I went in the game. But other than that, I really just wanted to learn from other guys, older guys that were that were there and that have been through uh, the minor leagues and see what their tips and tricks were. Uh, but when it came to facing hitters, I would say I was overwhelmed with my success. I didn't expect to do that well. And uh, by my like fifth or sixth appearance, I kind of knew that I had the chance to do something pretty incredible, which was not give up a run in the fall league. And um, so I, I knew about it, but I didn't want to focus on it because if I focused on it, it would take me away from what I needed to do daily to continue doing that. So I think that I definitely surprised myself with what I did down there, but I think that I got away with uh, more mistakes than I should have in my eyes. All right. Uh, we've done a lot. Of, we've had some good baseball talk, some good life talk. Uh, every time we have a player on, though, I we like to rapid fire. Just right. random questions. Get a test your wit. <laughs> Got reactions. So uh, I'll ask a question. Whatever comes to your mind first, roll with it. Uh, funniest teammate you had this year, or even in college? Uh, John Borman. That's a name Pirate fans will know. He came up for a day. Yeah. In 2017, I think it was. Yeah, great guy. Just recently retired. He actually uh, just got married uh, oh. not too long ago. No, he was with Bradenton whenever you played with him, right? Yeah. All right. Uh, best and worst minor league meal you have had? Uh... What was that? You kind of broke up. Sorry. Uh, the best and the worst minor league meal you have had? Um, I would say that's a tough one. Uh, I would say Hagerstown, uh, Maryland. It was um, French rolls and uh, like really bone dry uh chicken uh, it was chicken breasts and uh some rolls and then there was like half a tray of baked beans for like 40 guys so it wasn't <laughs> too filling to say the least Domino's was pretty busy that night <laughs> uh your mount rushmore of baseball movies uh i would say Mm. For the love of the game, uh, Fever Pitch, um, The Rookie, and Angels in the Outfield. You know, Angels in the Outfield slept on. I, I know it's... I feel like us 20-somethings are going to appreciate it a little more because we grew up with it, but no, it holds up. It holds up. Yeah, that's a great movie. <laughs> uh, your hometown, or your favorite team growing up? Uh, Boston Red Sox. And your favorite player? Uh, Manny Ramirez slash Pedro Martinez. Pedro? Yep. Manny over Poppy. That's a little interesting. 
Yeah, I, I, I grew up a Manny Ramirez fan, and I don't know. My dad, biggest uh, David Ortiz fan you'll ever meet. He knows facts about him. His, probably, his family probably doesn't even know. If you had a Hall of Fame ballot, who would be on it this year? Um, I would put Barry Bonds in it. I would too. Uh, man, I, I don't really know. Uh, but, I don't really pay attention to that stuff too much, but I think Barry Bonds should for sure be in the Hall of Fame. I mean, just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it's a little ridiculous to me, but I mean, that's cut his career whenever he before he took steroids. He's still a Hall of Fame player. I mean, let's exactly. Yeah, let's get this over with. Every time that he's not in the Hall of Fame, the discussion's just, why isn't he in it? It's taking this yeah. away from everyone else. It drives me crazy. All right, one more. We're going to check the Nick Mears Wikipedia page a decade in the future. On it, it says Nick Mears made his major league, de- major league debut on what date? Um, I would say I'm... Well, this is what I'm hoping, but uh, in September, if what I think I I can do this season, I think I have the potential to be a September call-up. All right. Oh, I'll look forward to you in September, then. Wikipedia is never wrong, right? <laughs> Me, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you for being on the show, Nick. Uh, where can we find you on social media? Uh, I'm on Instagram at smoke underscore ends underscore mirrors. And then, uh, I'm not really on Twitter too much, but, uh, I'm pretty sure my Twitter is, uh, Nick mirrors 46. And if you aren't, whoever has that handle just got a nice boost. Yep. (laughs) Hey, thanks for being on the show.